0: Sleavers podcast monday january 29th this is probably the most demoralized this podcast has ever been after the way the detroit lions game went down last night we're going to do that as a whole segment of the show but cart uh sad boy hat is on sad face cart is also on how do you feel this morning
1: Uh, This this is who I'm going to be for the foreseeable future, to be honest with you. Um, I'll probably try to pick up my mood as much as I can. Uh, The sad boy hat's going to stay for a while. I'm probably going to see how many days I can wear it in a row. Um, I don't know how people do this, to be honest with you. I don't know how people come off devastating shotgun straight to the chest level pain and just bounce right back and put a microphone and a camera in front of their face i i couldn't sleep last night i don't feel great this morning i have no need i don't even have a coffee right now what's the point what's what's like who cares i'm sad i'm gonna be sad for the foreseeable future like i stated but damn it i'm gonna show up for sleepers
0: I'm not gonna lie to you. I texted you and said coffee. Then on, I also did not make coffee. What is the point in coffee anymore? There isn't one. There isn't one to stay uh, up.
1: To stay up, like yeah.
0: for what? Why do we want to stay up? I uh, I feel like I swallowed a cactus. Uh, I spent a good hour last night researching lobotomies. Like, genuinely, go check my phone logs. Like, I've I've just been learning a bunch about lobotomies. Honestly, doesn't sound that bad. The practice itself, a little dangerous, but it definitely worked wonders in the 60s. Um, I am hurt. I'm very hurt by the way everything went down. And can't say I've experienced this level of hurt with a sports loss in a long time. The other thing that's interesting about this is it's a new type of hurt. Like... Obviously, the Lions have caused us both pain throughout our lives, but I, I know what it feels like watching Michigan lose in a national title game. I feel, I know what it feels like watching Michigan State football get their heart ripped out. I know I know what those look like. Those happen from time to time, and I'm accustomed to getting through that, and I know how to bounce back. I've never I never thought about along this entire run what's it going to feel like when they lose, let alone what's it going to feel like in, if they lose in this fashion with a 17-point lead with 30 minutes left before the Super Bowl. Like, that's just yeah. something
1: I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. So, it's like, a, it's like a new strand of COVID that just hit. Like, you thought that it was bad, but the second variation's got more of a gut punch into it. And the second variation has Kendall Vildor as defensive back and Josh Reynolds giggling <laughs> as he draws passes. Is
0: the worst. This is the worst sports pain I've ever endured. Uh all right. Well, we have a lot to get to today, like we said. Uh we are gonna preview Michigan, Michigan State as part of the episode. We are going to do the whole Lions segment. I have some takes to get off my chest with that one. Somebody on Twitter asked us to do an Ohio State Northwestern recap. So we're gonna reward uh the Twitter user who wanted to see that. And then we have some previews and recaps to get to as well uh, at some point before we end this recording session. So let's start with uh, Carter Elliott's YouTube comment of the day. I don't have one. <laughs> we're, we're just scrapping a segment?
1: No, we can't do that. Sorry. Um, this one comes from Hot Dangers uh, via the Michigan-Iowa game recap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak his question a little bit because I actually am interested to get your your opinion on this. I think he jokingly said, does Doug have the grades to transfer based on, obviously, the situation he's in right now? What, like, is the Doug future? Like, is he gone from Michigan? Or, like, is he – like, what is – I don't think we've actually ever addressed, like, what is the outcome of this?
0: Uh, hard. It's just hard to know without knowing, like, is Michigan bringing Juwan back or not. Under the presumption that Michigan is bringing Juwan back, I actually think there's a better chance that Doug is back in Ann Arbor than there would be if they... Like, if they fire Jawan, Doug's just hitting the portal and he'll take phone calls from East Coast schools and probably end up at, like, Georgetown. Um, If I were Maryland, I would call Doug McDaniel. Like, anybody over in the DMV area that's, like, about to lose a point guard, I would 100% call him. Um, I don't think he necessarily feels super strongly about staying at Michigan with or without Juwan, but I do think like he remains a Jawan guy. Um, I, we alluded to it on the Doug video a while back, but Doug was telling people when he thought he was going to be out for the entire semester that uh, it's okay. This will help him prepare for the draft more. So no idea how his brain is working right now. Um, I would say it's a slightly less than 50% chance that he returns to Michigan, though. I think it's more likely he portals and or just quits college
1: basketball than there is. He returns. That's probably what's going to happen based on your history of calling out what happens with, you know, Michigan athletes. So yeah, you can go ahead and mark that. You can go ahead and mark that. It's probably going to happen.
0: Yeah. And the, the sad thing is I'm not even that sad about it. If you would have told me in like November, Doug McDaniels going to transfer after he dropped 33 on Florida. Like I would have been like, screw you. I hate you. Now I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. He can leave. Like, Blow the whole thing up. It's sad. Uh okay. Should we move to the Discord comments? Yeah. And <laughs> a couple more new people join the Discord. I think we have 115 total now. Um who is it? Dylan terpstra I think, joined over the weekend. Shout out to Dylan. Great yeah. to see you in there. Uh anytime we get our friends from Twitter joining the Discord, it's lovely. Community is growing. We'll read your comments every single day. And it's the number one way to support us. Link in the description of this video. Whew! First comment. From Augie, this is very opinion based, and it is nearly impossible to know right now. But who are your top five projected transfers in the country this offseason? Where is their best fit? Top five is really hard. Let's both just do one.
1: Hmm. I'm, I'm gonna go with Mac from Harvard. Yeah. I just don't think there's any world where he's on Harvard next year. I think that's um, a good call out for sure. Yeah, he's been and struggling if- though lately. Yeah, he has. And if we were going top five, I think it's gonna be a massive poach of FAU. Whoa. Like all the like I think all three of those top guys. I'm not sure if Elijah Martin has eligibility left or not. But I know John L. Davis does. And I know John O. Davis is from Gary, Indiana. If some people didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I know some there's some Indiana teams who could definitely use a guard or two. Just throwing that out there that's fun that's fun for sure
0: um yeah i don't know maybe i'm just still in the doug mindset but i i think doug will be in the top five if if doug ended up at georgetown he would be incredible for ed cooley at georgetown
1: uh, georgetown and J- or not uh Jade epps and doug mcdaniel i mean that would be gross but i, I think <laughs> doug's better than jaden epps so yeah, uh, malik
0: says if or no, sorry. I think Izzo is trying to get Booker more minutes, but you guys forget he's trying to win also. It's easy to say something, but are you in practice on campus in meetings? No, you're not. So stop complaining about his answer to a repeating question.
1: Well, he's 0 for 2 on trying then because we're not winning games and we're also not getting Booker minutes. So at least I love
0: love. I, I love the you're not in practice thing from... Like when, when fans yell at other fans for complaining about something like you're not in practice, you don't see it. Okay. You're not either. So do you know that he's right? Like <laughs> shit, man. Uh, I want to read. A, this wasn't even a question, but this was something Ryan said in the comments we had Jesse who is uh, on a cruise working on a cruise. He's been, I feel like they're about a month now and he's still tapped into the discord a pretty good amount. Um, Jesse sent a video from his cruise that was heartfelt very genuine, nice sharing, some uh, some realizations and peace that he has felt on his cruise. Great little community here in the Discord. And uh, Ryan Lyon sent a long response back that I actually want to read. Um, so I'm just going to read it. He says this. Despite what people think, I use this Discord for more than just pissing people off. On hard days, it's always nice to have a community of people that share a huge passion of yours. I know I complain about stripes nonstop in the game threads, but being able to react to games and everything together is awesome. Even outside of basketball, the stuff that goes on here is worth the price. Whether it's debating the shapes of 50 states, movie and music suggestions, or whatever, I never was picturing that this is what I'd get out of the Discord, but I'm thankful for it. I know it probably helps some people out more than others, but you guys, rock uh Yeah, Ryan nailed the sentiment of what is special about the dis- Discord community that we have grown. Uh, and it's not necessarily what you think you'd be signing up for when you sign up for it. We definitely have a community of people that all really care about each other right now, which is special. If you want to join it, the link is in the description of the videos. And Ryan, thank you for letting me read that on the show. Boom Fizzle says, What do you guys think of the semi announced details for conference games and conference tournament next year with the newly added teams? Like it, hate it, indifferent. What would
1: you change? You know, I, I, I saw a fair amount of people pretty upset about it, and it didn't bother me or, or upset me at all. And that has me thinking that I'm missing something about this. Like, what what is, like, the big funk? Am I missing it? Do you know anything about it? I mean, I just, I've read, like, maybe one or two short, short pieces on it, but maybe I missed many of the major details about it. Hmm, okay, uh, I could
0: keep the bit up back and forth for a few more. I'm like, well, what'd you read? Until we realized that you didn't actually read anything. But uh mm-hmm. I, they, there's only 15 teams are going to make the Big Ten tournament, so not every team is going to be at the Big Ten tournament. I'm fine with that. I'm not fine with that. I hate it. Why? Maybe this is because I'm coming from a place of my team wouldn't make it this year, but uh. I think it that that's the whole fun moment at the end of the year, right? It's like no matter how your season went, everybody shows up. Who's the best of the best? And can can the worst team actually have a miraculous four days and keep their season alive? Like that's that's how college basketball works. There's no conference right now that's not doing that.
1: That's massive that you confirm though that I was able to what what's the what's like the skim reading thing you do? Is, yeah. that, what, is that the phrase for it? Yeah. I was able to skim and still know that that was the main point that not everything that, I that, that doesn't bother me to be honest with you. I'm fine. Like, I'm not trying to watch. I get it. I guess I get it. Like, Oh, the big 10 tournament is your last chance. Make a run like type things. Also like win maybe one or two more games during the regular season, just make the big 10 tournament.
0: I just think it's stupid and it's clunky, like 15 teams instead of 16 pointless. Like we're given the one C to buy. And I I don't know. It just seems like a dumb cutoff line. I think there's a thousand ways they could have done it better. Um, But number one would just be invite every team. I think you have to invite every team. Otherwise, it's not a true conference tournament. Uh, Travis Nelson says MSU spin zone. It makes sense for Izzo and company to throw this game, the Wisconsin game, to earn his 700th win against Michigan on his birthday. It's too good of a story to
1: pass out. It's not. We're not in spin zone game territory, unfortunately. Twelve
0: and eight. It's a nice result, though. Like he is going to pound Michigan by forty on his birthday and get a seven hundred twin
1: Are we going to pound Michigan by forty? Yes.
0: Yeah. I bet you so. alt line will be played. uh, for sure. We'll we'll save that for the preview. But, uh with that said, though,
1: if you didn't, it'd be kind of crazy. I'm on Michigan points.
0: Ryan Lyons sent a screenshot of an Instagram post uh, after Luka Doncic scored 73 points and said Luka to MSU. And then he said, JK, don't need to read that. And then he read it. And then I read it. Super Woke says, you assumed in my comment about Juwan Howard that I was talking about his win-loss record. I was referring to his violent incidents. Oh, my bad. Uh, Perhaps I wasn't clear. Would other institutions, for example, Purdue, have tolerated
1: Howard's violent incidents or would he have already been released? Uh, If if he's winning basketball games, they'll violate, they'll tolerate anything. I think sometimes people forget that. Uh, I love college basketball. I love coaches. I love a lot of coaches one of the things you learn kind of being more connected than you were before is that some of these college coaches just really aren't that great, aren't as great as people as you think they are. And if you're winning, that solves a lot and covers up a lot. And I'm not implying that about anything about Purdue or their coach in general. It just, because it brought, I'm just, all I'm saying is that I did as long as you're winning, some things get overlooked. Yes.
0: I, I think I've been, as loudly critical of Jawan Howard as any Michigan fan, you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I I think I have a history and a track record of that through the years, so I feel comfortable saying this. Ah, uh, even I would not be able to say the words "violent incidents" and say it with a straight face. Like that's just not accurate. Um, that's not a correct way to term him swiping at joe Krabenhoft and then whatever happened behind the scenes with sanderson which reportedly was not even physical at this point so um do i think any coach in the country at any school in the country would have been fired for swiping at joe Krabenhoft? if they had the success juan had at the time no i don't they he was coming off a of sweet
1: 16 so <laughs> can i say can i say one thing yes I don't mean to antagonize, but I'm sorry. I have an issue saying things that come to my head. Kind of funny that a Purdue fan is saying these is describing these things as violent acts.
0: Oh, that is what I was going to say. There, there are certain institutions that would believe a head coach of that frame is committing a violent act. Uh, I think Purdue would be one. I think there's many others, but no, I don't think it. Like if Jawan Howard was miss Mich- or sorry, if Jawan Howard was Purdue's head coach coming off a of sweet 16 and slap swiped an assistant coach, no, I do not think he would have been fired. And no, nowhere, nowhere, no coach nowhere in the country is getting fired for the Sanderson incident. incident. Like that's, that happened behind closed doors. There's no video of it and it reportedly wasn't physical. So, um, I don't know. There's my answer. A lot of people probably disagree with that. Travis Nelson says, I think I agree 100% with the big hot take. Uh, The big hot take he's referring to is that if Michigan State missed the tournament, it would be the wake-up call Izzo needs to make change. Izzo isn't getting any younger. He deeply cares about the streak. I don't think he would be okay leaving things as is if they miss. As much as I want change, it would absolutely suck if this team was preseason top five, uh, is the one that misses in the last four years.
1: Yeah. I I, I just can't I and I don't think that missing it necessarily comes with the change that people think would come with it. I think there'd be more doubling down.
0: See, but like I don't know. i I feel like he's given the luxury to double down because he keeps making it.
1: If I could get a guarantee that he changes,
0: I'd miss it. I'd miss it in a heartbeat. I, the only way we'll know is if it happens or doesn't happen. my My strong assumption is that Michigan State will make the tournament is that we'll keep doubling down, not make the changes, and you're just kind of mired in this cycle. But um, who knows? Uh, Also, I want to give a shout to Graham Couch, who had a really good article about the state of things over the weekend after the Wisconsin game. I thought he summarized everything really nicely if you didn't read it for the Lansing State Journal. But it was basically like a lot of the things we said on the show, like this is an indictment of this roster. It's an indictment of Izzo's roster building approach. It's not doomsday long term. Like there's this isn't saying like a Jeremy Fears centric team can't make a Final Four one day. But it's saying, like, this core group of players does not have what it needs. And as I repeatedly said, it did. And he was wrong. And here we are. Um, Painter's Petting Zoo says, I have a revision to my comment from earlier this week. Having lost both games this week and having zero quad one wins at this point of the season, Auburn is a top blank team in the country and the blank
1: best team in the SEC. Auburn is a top... still the top 15 team in the country they are the number they are the third best team in the SEC
0: uh I agree with you on 15 um so who you have Kentucky and Tennessee ahead of them in the SEC mm-hmm. no Alabama
1: no who just beat Auburn At home with generational bad guard play at Auburn, but I'm
0: gonna go fourth in the SEC. Four. Uh,
1: yeah, f-
0: 15 in the country, fourth in the SEC. I think Alabama's better right now. Malik says, I see Greg finally made it out of the matrix. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. He sees the MSU ain't the team everyone thought before the season started. Was I in the matrix? (laughs) Did I think that I'm so confused? He says, I like Greg's rants. Uh, I asked a question if Izzo missed the tournament and he had to step back and go scorch earth in the portal. How scary he'd be that year. Then he says, do you think Malik Renew could be a TJD type for Indiana? He has the potential, but not much help. Do you think Renew could be on a TJD path?
1: Um... The only th- the only reason I say n- no, he can't, is because I think it's underrated. Like people don't realize how much of a freak athlete TJD was. Like M- Malik Ren- Rel- Malik Renew is not like an above the rim kind of dynamic as dynamic of an athlete as TJD. I do think he can have like the same effect, uh, like affecting the ball game in different ways: points, boards, assists, even blocks, like TJD did. But the I think the athleticism. Um, separates them in my eyes. Yeah, I think TJD just is a better basketball
0: player, better defender than Renew yeah. will ever be. But by by Renew's senior year, I do think he can be like first team All Big Ten focal point on a competitive team. You can be like
1: you can be, you can be Aldi brand TJD. Yeah,
0: I like that. I like that for sure. A lot of people like Aldi, for the record. I love Aldi. Yeah, that's no shots at Aldi. Uh, Sean Fowles says, is FAU the favorite in the American? I know they haven't looked great, but neither has Memphis.
1: I don't know who. I don't, Yes, FAU is the favorite because they're able to pull things off. And I'm still of a belief is that they're coasting and they're a big lights team. And it's just the American conference isn't doing it for them. But Memphis has been a dumpster fire as of late. My Tigers are struggling. So I think FAU is still the favorite.
0: Yeah, I think they have to be by default, but I don't think either of these teams are good in the regular season. Um, FAU might be able to flip a switch in the NCAA tournament. Still – Still believe that team's good when they want to be good. I don't know that they care about these games nearly as much as they should right now. Uh Final one today, this is from Mohill93. Who gets more NCAA tournament bids, the Big Ten or the Mountain West?
1: Ugh. It's the Big Ten begrudgingly, but it's close. Yeah, it's the Big Ten, but only because the Mountain West is, I don't even know what they're doing. Like our boys, the Rammies, Colorado State's just laying eggs left and right. Yeah, I, probably Big Ten by a close margin
0: <laughs> yeah i want to just mention briefly nico medved is like a hot name in the coaching circles there's a lot of michigan basketball fans who are like we should get nico great offense nico medved blew an 11 point lead with 50 seconds left with isaiah stevens as his point guard yeah that's no, no thank you uh not not sure i buy that i think the mount west is going to get five bids in uh utah state looks in new mexico looks in san diego state looks in And then I think they get two of Boise State, Colorado State, and Nevada. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado State falls out of the picture, to be honest with you. Um, Big Ten should get six and should get six pretty comfortably, I think, at this point. Maybe a chance somebody sneaks in as the seventh. Like Maryland and Iowa are kind of last-second heaving their season around right now. Um, Wouldn't be shocked if one of them goes on a tear and makes it seven. So take the Big Ten, congratulations. All right, good job. Comments, appreciate you. Uh, we'll be here all week answering the comments from the Discord as we are every single week. Let's move. Let's just start with it. Uh, Detroit Lions, devastating, 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 devastating loss. Blow a 17 point halftime lead in San Francisco. It looked like they were the better football team, it looked like they had the better plan, it looked like they were Super Bowl bound. Everybody showed up in the first half. That was the takeaway. Like every single guy on the team seemed as if they were making plays. Uh, Third quarter gets here. Not so much anymore. Even after holding them to three, like San Francisco marched down. You think they're going to score quickly. You you get the bend, don't break, hold them to three. It's a 14-point game. You're getting the ball back. Like everything seemed right there, right on schedule. You have the fourth down call from Dan in field goal range. Josh Reynolds with a drop on a wide open, it was a tough pass. Pass that should have been caught, but he drops it. But it was open, uh, and then from there the game was just falling. I've ne- I've never seen an NFL game slip away that fast from a team. Jameer Gibbs fumbles. Um, Valdor had the ball bounce off his helmet, off his face mask. Ayuk makes a great play. What should have been a pick turns into a touchdown. Uh, You had a punt where Detroit should have pinned them at the one and they just run into the end zone and grab it for no reason. The entire team fell apart. The players from everybody outside of Jared Goff stopped making plays for the entire third quarter. And before you knew it, San Francisco had the lead. The game essentially was over. Um, Car, you're the biggest Detroit Lions fan. I know season ticket holder since life. Obviously you're hurt and upset, but uh, how did this happen, and how do you feel?
1: Uh, I mean, like you stated early on, I've experienced a lot of Lions losses, like from Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary after the weird rough in the passer call, like all the way down to, I mean, you name it. Like I've experienced every single Lions loss along this way in my 30 years of life. Uh, there's nothing I can put in the words, like how much pain – last night caused it, it truly truly killed me um you know there's so much discourse about and I think this was makes makes the loss so much worse there's so much discourse to me surrounding like Dan Campbell and the going for it and the not kicking the field goal and one Dan Campbell doing what he does is what got us here in the first place it's like kind of what makes us the Lions like that's is the team's identity he doesn't really waver for it, like, for better or for worse. Like, you got to ride with him, and that's, like, what he does. Um, is there maybe one or two decisions where you could be like, okay, don't do that? Yeah, but it wouldn't be the field goals for me. It'd be, like, the third down run call with under a minute left with the waste of timeout at the two-yard line. It'd be something like that. Or, honestly, before the half, not going for the touchdown and taking the field goal. Like, that's that's one that I even go back on. But fact of the matter is, Dan gambled, and he should have won. Like, if we catch the ball, we're singing his praises. Like, he went for it on fourth and two. Josh Reynolds catches that ball. We're probably in a pretty good position. We also have a kicker who's, like, 74% from outside of 40 yards. So, it's not guaranteed. I get it. Like, he he had some field goals he made last week. It's not guaranteed. He went for it. We didn't make plays. Like, uh, that ball that bounced off Vildor's face mask after, after an interception, crazy cam Sutton missing tackles, missing picks, crazy. CJ Gardner-Johnson getting stiff-armed, waving to the crowd in the second quarter, losing the game, crazy. Like to me, it was just missed opportunities, guys folding and just choking the game away. We had it. Yeah. We had it. We, we were yeah. outplaying We were we were outplaying them in every facet of the game and dominating them. Running the ball right at them. Going down the field, getting touchdowns, bending but not breaking, like on defense, you know. And then all of a sudden, all that went to shit in the second half, in the third quarter. And, you know, we got Brock Purdy out here scrambling We're missing tackles or missing sacks that lead to like – like it's just – guys just fell apart, man. Just truly, truly fell apart. The rehashing of this is causing me even more pain right now. So if you see a teardrop fall from my eyes, I'm sorry. But golly, that just – that hurt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's so many different things to have a dialogue about, and national media are going to make many different narratives a thing out of this game. Um, but, yeah, to me it was like a collective team just falling apart and plays that I think you have to give Detroit credit for making in the first half, where I, I thought for the most part everybody played well on the team in the first half, outside of maybe Sutton who Sutton just played like himself. He, I wouldn't even say he played poorly. He just played like himself. Um, but they showed up. Like, the fact that you had a 17-point lead at through that point in the game is a credit to, like, oh, they do belong. They're here. And then I think everybody just got tense I, and... I, it, whether it was the fourth call, to, the fourth down call to Reynolds that swung the momentum and that's what made everybody tense or whether they were just inevitably going to make some of these mistakes anyway. Um, it was, yeah, it was just a complete falling apart and a complete lack of individual execution. And I'm sure that's going to hurt. And I'm sure they're more devastated than we are as fans. But it was just tough to watch, truly. I, I don't think there's a player on the team outside of Jared Goff that didn't, make a mistake in the third quarter. <laughs> like and the and the punter who hit the best punt I've ever seen in NFL history. Like I it just it was crazy. Amon Ra was nowhere to be found. Like everyone on the team can't catch a wide open pass and we're we we can not get Amon Ra involved. Like that frustrated the hell out of me. Um Gibbs, who was great in the first half and great in these playoffs, just an absolute boneheaded mistake on the that goes the wrong way on the handoff. What,
1: what, what do you think they talk about more like what happened? Was it like wrong play? Like who went the wrong way or what?
0: The, the How it was portrayed on the television was that Gibbs went the wrong way and fumbles the ball. So I, uh, I don't know, maybe behind the scenes, maybe some of that was on golf and I don't realize it, but um, yeah, just a complete, just, not taking care back- of the ball.
1: Literally I, just backbreaking. I would even took, I would have took a, a, a three and out punt right there but like just giving it to him on the 20 after we just blew a 17 point lead yeah just back breaking yeah
0: the team the team and especially the defense i think needed needed five minutes to just breathe and collect themselves and realize we're in a seven point game now and instead it was no you're in a tie game now figure it out and that that was just a lot like momentum swings right that's the thing um what we're gonna do the fourth down call stuff with Campbell um but I I just want to pulse check from you if you had to blame one thing that hurt Detroit the most in this game what one thing was it and I I want a play I don't want like drops or something like that what what's the one thing that hurt the team most
1: like I can't say players like as a whole
0: nope. I want like what what is the one moment in this game that cost Detroit the most? There's because there's about nine you can choose
1: from. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to choose from. I was, uh, you know, you could do like the the missed sack that um who had where he threw to Juzak for a first down. That yep yeah I like it Purdy scrambles like yeah Purdy like, like and like you're and like we're right there like Anzalone was right there took a bad angle Hutch died at him missed them like commit like they were right there just um you know what I think beyond the fourth and ten I think the third and ten dropped by Reynolds that hit him right in the hands like in stride no one around him we had just faltered on the first two plays and we're like we pick up the third and ten like it was It was there. That drop, I think, just really ended it. Yeah. Okay.
0: I don't hate that answer. Um, Mine
1: is – I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, uh, sorry, the Vildor face mask. I mean, that's – I mean, the
0: the fact that that's not our our obvious answer tells you all you need to know. Like, in a normal football game, a a player that has a ball go off his face mask that flips into basically a touchdown – that's 100% the play of the game. We're all like, that's what cost the team. No, Detroit did so many stupid things in this game that um, that's not even the consensus one. Mine is the Gibbs fumble for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Mine is just the Gibbs fumble for sure. Because I I think a lot of the other plays in the game, like you still, even if the play went the way it did, it didn't immediately – cost you seven points or something like that. Like you could reset after, oh, we didn't get fourth down. Like, okay, we just need our defense to get a stop. Oh, we had to punt the ball here. Okay. Our defense needs to show up. Uh, Oh, like the, the face mask interception turned IU touchdown. Like San Francisco might've gone down and marched down the field and scored anyway. Their offense was doing well. Gibbs was like, dog, it's first down. And now we just gave San Francisco seven more points. Like, I, that it can't possibly happen. You have to avoid turnovers, and it seemed like one guy sort of handed that to him. But,
1: um, like I said, Gibbs was great in the first half, so I don't know.
0: I it hurts me, man. Maybe I'm soft.
1: Maybe I'm soft. Can I, can I point to one more small moment that kind of hurt too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought Jared Goff was great the whole game, honestly. Like the missed touchdown, the missed, touchdown. The that missed one saying? to Gibbs hurt. Yeah,
0: that it, that that hurt. But, he had that. He had one other one where he,
1: I forget what, who the target was, but he had two, I thought could have been touchdowns that he missed. Yeah, he did, but he also played So like, you can't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's... I thought golf played great, but yeah, definitely a miss. Um, yeah, I, maybe I've gone soft. Maybe I've gone soft, but I cringe at the fan dialogues that are taking the approach of blaming individual players. Um, now, with that said, the players lost us the game. It's their fault. Like, and, but I, I just think that there's so many that lost us the game that like those who are individually taking it out on Reynolds are really bothering me. Um, he All was right. horrible. He was horrible. So was Garner Johnson. So was Gibbs. So was <laughs> v- Vildor, who, however the fuck you say it, the dude who wasn't on the team four weeks ago. Like, There's there so many guys that effed this up and yes, Josh Reynolds is a big part
1: of it, but um, I don't know. I've gone soft on that. I think, you know, you know whose fault this really is ours. No, it's not. This goes back. This is Jeff Okuda's fault. (laughs) If he is a serviceable number one corner, I'm not even asking him to be all pro pro bowl, nothing of that sort. If he is okay then Vildor not on the field.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, with this roster, I found myself like really reminiscing on this after the game last night for as good as Detroit was this season. And as far as they went and how healthy we feel like everything is the youthful energy of this team, how loaded they are on offense, especially, but with, with good spots on defense too, like, this roster is still like a long ways away. Like I, there were a lot of guys cart who just like were mid season acquisitions or like hail Mary type dudes that were involved in key spots in this game. Like we're talking about, Oh, we can't kick a field goal. Michael Badgley's our kicker. First off, he wasn't our kicker for half the season. And he's the guy we brought in to try and save the special teams. And we still don't trust him in the NFC championship. That's tough. Uh, Vildor, I, he, he was not on the team four weeks ago and, then, and now he's in the spot of like he's the guy that's got to make the play because our secondary's that bad and then you're on the final the the drive you're trying to salvage with a minute left down 10 and we're throwing to a backup tight end for the first time all year who's never caught a pass
1: so, also 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 my boy scored that
0: score score, score
1: man like score reach yeah, out and, like come on
0: and i'm just i'm looking around watching this game cart like there were so many guys on this team who it's just like, Who's that dude? Like what? this dude hasn't been a lion all season. He's playing the NFC championship in a high leverage spot. It's crazy. Um, which which leads me to the point. Like, they're gonna retain much of this core next year. Things are gonna be good. Like they're obviously gonna be in the mix, which is great. It's all Lions fan can hope for. Um but they're, I think this roster is going to look a lot different in the areas that it was weak. Like, I think they're going to have a brand new secondary. Gardner Johnson is going to leave. Josh Reynolds is going to leave. Both those guys are free agents. And hopefully you get a new secondary. Maybe you get an additional piece at receiver. You get a little something on the defensive line. Like, if if Brad Holmes can do what Brad Holmes has been doing, then I think you feel really good about it. But my it was a large takeaway for me. Like, wow, this roster had a lot of weak spots still that – made themselves look weak in the big moment um okay we have to do the campbell thing by the way you said dan gambled earlier that's one of the greatest things i've ever heard dan gamble like oh, they, they call him that i didn't know that i didn't know those things. thing dan that's cool. yeah that's lovely i love that uh speaking of gamble jmo turning up for two touchdowns we gotta love that our gambling addict just showed up in the biggest game of the year that's fun that's massive for the brand yeah, huge. Okay, Dan Campbell. Uh, let's go through Dan Campbell decisions in this game. He takes three before half to make it a 17-point lead. It would have been fourth in goal from the three, I believe. Maybe the four. Um, he looked like he was going to leave the offense on the field, and then he kind of bailed him out last second. Uh, look, I in the moment – you make it three scores. San Francisco's getting the ball back at half. I don't think anyone would criticize that decision in a vacuum. You, you had to go up three scores. But I think you could tell Dan, like, wanted to go for that. <laughs> like, it would have been a kill shot for sure. If you're up 21 at half instead of 17 at half, um, would have been a kill shot. Then the two in the second half, he rolls the dice on. Um First one was fourth and three, I believe. Fourth and two, fourth and three. That's the Josh Reynolds drop. I thought it was a great play by Goff because San Francisco got pressure to him quickly and he stepped up in the pocket, kind of under pressure, gets the ball on Josh Reynolds' hands. Like I said, tough catch. Ball that should have been caught. He drops it. Okay. At that point, you were still up 14, I believe. So Campbell could have taken a long field goal. Uh, f- what, 46-yard attempt? To make it a 17 point game. Instead, he goes for it on fourth drop. Uh then later in the game, this would have been when when they were tied, I believe. Is that the right? I want to make sure I get the number right. I think are, are you going like when Reynolds dropped it? The the, the whatever the second fourth down call was from Dan. They were they weren't down three yet at that point, were they? Wasn't it a tie game?
1: Uh I, honestly, I can't remember. I'm sorry.
0: I think it was a tie game at this point, but it might have been they were down three. Either way, this was like the wheels had already completely fallen off, and they had another chance at a. I think they Actually, were down. They were down three because it would have been a it would have been a long field goal attempt to tie
1: it. To tie it, and it
0: yeah. And Dan goes for again another short yardage situation, fourth down play. No good. Um,
1: do you like those decisions? Do you think those decisions are part of what cost Detroit the game? Um, I mean, I guess when you put it all in one of like plays that are missed, those will count as plays that are missed that cost us the game. Um, I mean, just, just just catch the ball, just catch the ball and everything's fine. And it's a good call. Obviously that's not how it works. That sports can't do that. Can't say that type of phrase, but yeah, I'm fine with the calls over Putting it in the kicker's hands, I'm always fine with it. Putting it in someone else's hands besides the kicker. Okay. Um, when you when you don't have a Justin Tucker or a, I don't know, name the top ten field goal kickers in the in the NFL.
0: So I said this all season long. You've heard this from me a bunch of times. This season was going to end, whether good or bad, on Dan Campbell's terms. And as long as that happened, I said I'd be okay with it. I came to terms with that after the Dallas game. Um, I would rather go out swinging than I would rather go out looking at a pitch. You take that last field goal to tie the game, even if he bangs it. Okay, San Francisco has the ball with seven minutes left in the tie game. With the way our defense was playing, you feel great about that? Like, of course not. Um, People saying he should have taken both field goals are presuming you make both field goals, which probability-wise, given the kicker's accuracy from that distance, was a less than 50% chance. So that's a coin flip that if you get the right side of the coin, that's probably 46% probability. You're up three points and San Francisco has the ball. (laughs) Or you're not, right? Um, I... I'm okay with it. I'm I'm perfectly okay with him going for it, and it's because Dan Campbell has formed me into a lunatic. But I I I'm just okay. I'm okay with going out on his terms. This is a team, man. In short yardage situations on the season, they were 18 for 21 at converting them. Like part of the reason this team was good was they were so good at executing those plays. So. Higher likelihood this season, based on results, that you convert a fourth down than it is you convert a field goal. We went with what worked all season long. It didn't work here because players didn't make the plays, not because Dan called something wrong. Dan did not let his players down. His players let him down, if anything, and that's really tough. Um, The one Dan Campbell decision that infuriates me, that I do think cost this team, was running the ball on third down uh, at the one. So this this team somehow miraculously down ten with two minutes left has three timeouts still tiny little miracle of hope. Uh, Jared Goff leads the team, marches them down. Josh Reynolds actually catches a ball this drive. Amon-Ra a couple plays. The whole team gets us back in position to score. Obviously, you need two scores. You're going to kick on sides regardless. But there's a minute left and you have three timeouts. Your only hope to win the game is to get some sort of score and then get a three and out. That, But that that is a realistic opportunity. Like, that's not a pipe-in-the-sky dream, pie-in-the-sky dream. That's a thing. That's a real opportunity. And Dan, instead, on third and one, decides to hand the ball off to Montgomery. <laughs> the game was over. The game ended right there, unless you get an onside kick. I thought it was insane. I would have rather they kicked a field goal. To run the ball, like I, you don't need seven there. You need three. So, obviously, you want seven, and they went for it on fourth, and J-Mo makes an incredible catch. So, but I just like that—that that single-handedly cost the team the game, and it was an elementary level decision. It was like a video game, third grader, stupid move. And I don't get what went through his head. I don't. I, I don't know how you defend that one. It's one of the worst decisions I've seen in NFL history.
1: Yeah, it, it was bad. And I get it. And I know like what he's probably saying to himself. He's like, Oh, we're good. Like we, we're really good at running the ball in short yard situation. This this is one Crazy. of one of the this isn't one of the one of the situations to do that. It was that that was the final nail in the coffin.
0: And at at minimum, if you're gonna run the ball, then your fourth down plan better be to sprint people on the field and run a play. Don't take right. a timeout. Like it would be right. better to run 20 seconds off the clock there than kick a field goal or run a play like you just you have to you have to give your defense a shot with three timeouts that's the whole game and you didn't do it um insanity to me so anyways um put a number on it summarize it how much of the blame is on Campbell versus how much is on the players
1: uh I'd go 85 percent players
0: okay I think it's 95% players. <laughs> I think that I mean, just swing any one of those plays made by the players and the team wins the game. I think Gibbs doesn't fumble. Reynolds catches one of those two balls. We intercept one of the two balls that hit us in the face mask. Like <laughs> you down the, you down the punt at the one there's a thousand he,
1: different ways. You should have been on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It really hurts. It really hurts. Um. Okay, I have I have two takes. I think you might have seen these in the Discord, but I have two takes I want to get to end this. Take number one is from the game. Take number two is on the future. Here's take number one. I am not upset at all at Dan Campbell for not going for the, the – or for, for not kicking the field goal, so I'm not upset whatsoever. I am extremely upset he kicked the field goal before halftime. You lose a game by three points, you left four points on the board, not going for it on fourth and three. That's like if if that's the MO, if we're gonna say like we are the team that goes for it every single time, go for it every single time. Right. Swear yeah. man. Um, uh, I'll kind of with you. Obviously, like it, you can look back and blame either one, but I the, these national media people who are like, "Is Dan Campbell the dumbest coach in NFL history?" Who have not watched the Lions all season long and realize we're eighteen for twenty-one in short yardage situations, like just are driving me insane today. As a Lions fan and as a Dan Campbell supporter, I am more upset he lost his aggression before half than I am that he went for it late in a high leverage spot. Um, all right, here's take number two on the future, and I can promise you i can promise you people aren't going to like this one are we sure that we can ever actually win a super bowl under dan campbell given the way he coaches these games
1: uh yes yes okay because we just put 95% of the blame On players yeah and i truly think that we have areas that we can upgrade we have a like i i hate the we'll be back moniker i hate their moniker tj there you go i hate the we'll be back moniker um but at the same time you have to be able to realize that there is something here now obviously To win a Super Bowl, typically you got to have a generational quarterback. Like, that's typically how it goes. Like, you got to have the Brady's, the Mahomes, you know, the Burroughs of the world, things like that. Um, But if you don't have those, you got to have talent, like, and other players, uh, especially like on the defensive side of the ball, I think, for this team, that I still think that this team can win a Super Bowl. We just got done saying that 95, 85% of this is on the players. Players is something that can be upgraded. We have money. We have a good football team. People actually might want to play for this football team. I think people actually appreciate the Lions like culture and things like that. We got we got players tweeting that they love the way that the Lions use the use certain positions. If you love it so much, come on and come on down. So there is the easy cop out, like, okay, maybe there is somewhat of a bright side to this. Maybe a tiny bit. But to answer your question in short, yes. This team, Dan Campbell, can win a Super Bowl. Okay. I'd like they should, to... be, they should be playing in a Super Bowl, yeah. right?
0: I right. agree. With, I agree with you there. I'd like to believe that. Um I am so thankful for Dan Campbell. I think he's the greatest coach in Detroit Lions history. I think there's an argument he's the greatest coach in professional sports recent memory of my lifetime. Like what he has done to turn around this franchise into where it is now is nothing short of impeccable. Uh, the players love him. It's, it's incredible. All that said, uh, which I hate, like, I hate myself that I'm uttering these words, but you know me when I have a thought, when I have a belief, like I just, I, I have to say it on this program. And this is where I'm at with this. You've heard me say this in a smaller lens for a year. I think Dan Campbell's the greatest coach in football. When your team's an underdog, when your team's down, when you're trailing, He will always motivate. He will always get you ready. He will always make these competitive. He will jump on you. All of that. We're seven and a half point underdogs in this game. Jumped all over him. Smacked him in the face. Here you go. He's the worst football coach in the sport at holding a lead. Or playing as a favorite. I believe that. I believe that with my heart and soul. Up 17, 30 minutes left. Just iced the game. And I get it's on the players. Wholeheartedly get it's on the players. But like. And I, I I, didn't criticize the decisions. But the whole roll the dice every time thing works so much better and makes so much more sense in concept when you are an underdog with nothing to lose. It doesn't make sense when you have a 17-point lead and a Super Bowl to lose. Like, it just – it doesn't – it doesn't work. His whole mantra, his whole ethos <laughs> mentally – I feel like takes a massive hit. Like you, the people saw the numbers at the end of this game on the season. This team was horrendous in third quarters because this team is horrendous at holding leads. Like D- Dan's whole balls to the walls bullshit doesn't work when you're up seven and just trying to cling to a game. Like it, it just puts your team in bad spots. So, uh, from a broader scale, from a bigger picture scale, a couple things for me. If your game is always going to come down to dice rolls, like if that's what this is, if just if the way you plan to coach football games is always going to come down to, can I roll a one? Can I roll a one? Can I roll a one? Every single time, do that 10 times a game in a high leverage situation, you're not going to win four straight games. You might win one. You might win two. You might win three. You ain't winning four straight games that are predicated on dice rolls. Like, And if you're the underdog, if you're one of the worst teams, like if you're the team that limps into the wild card, if you have Jordan Love at quarterback, then you need dice rolls. But if you are actually what Dan has built the Lions into, I don't think we need dice rolls anymore. Like, there's a time and a place to get aggressive. But, like, we're going to come into next season being the Super Bowl favorite with with the healthiest roster in the league. Like, and that's a credit to Dan Campbell for what he's built. I just – I'm really skeptical that his – It sounds backwards. His whole mantra doesn't necessarily be what's needed anymore. We needed it when we were the worst team in the NFL and needed to have a heartbeat again. Dan's job is done. Like, Dan, mission accomplished. He rebuilt this city. He gave everybody belief. He got the football, that locker room in a healthy spot. So did Brad Holmes. Now is he the guy to actually go win four games with one of the best rosters in the league? A little skeptical that he is. And you know who I think is? Our OC, who's the hottest name, that's going to get a job wherever he wants. So I, I hate that I'm saying that out loud, but I'm just going to say it out loud. It's a, it's a shrewd, ruthless thing that will never happen. No one will ever do this. If they were serious about winning a Super Bowl, I think they have a better chance with Ben Johnson as a head coach than they do with Dan, given where the roster currently is.
1: I want to make it unequivocally un- un- clear: I'm not on that train.
0: I know. I don't like myself for saying it.
1: Yeah, mm. I the only the only reason I throw back or push back on that is that I think there's a difference between guys being great OCs and like great head coaches. Like Eric Eric Bieniemy is a great offensive coordinator. There's also kind of a reason why he's not a head coach.
0: Eric Bieniemy is a Pat Mahomes merchant.
1: Like I mean, had, I mean, he had Sam Howell like top five in passing yards this year. They were down every game. I'm just, I'm just saying like offensively they were actually okay.
0: They were down every game. I'm just
1: throwing it out there. I'm just I'm just saying, like, I maybe Ben Johnson's just like a great just OC, you know, not because he because Ben Johnson's not taking any heat right now. It's all Dan. Do we think Ben Johnson
0: deserves any heat for the way this game went out?
1: There's some interesting play calls and some interesting spots. I say, which ones? I mean, I thought there was a level of, I mean, the misplays in the second half for sure, but there was some like aura of conservative conservative play.
0: He ran like three flea flickers.
1: <laughs> he also didn't run the ball as much as I thought we should. We were running the ball. He did. He got away from the run. They did start blitzing though, which took it away. But at the same, time, I mean, I all. All I'm saying is that the blame always comes to the head coach. And I'm not saying that Ben Johnson is not going to be a great head coach, but I think we would be nuts to like fire Dan and hire Ben. Johnson.
0: I do, I do too. It'd be insane. It would be, it would be utterly insane.
1: But you, you want it.
0: No, I'm I I don't want it. Okay. I don't want this to happen. I know it will never happen and I'm not blaming Dan for the loss. All three of those things are true. I am now sitting here saying my franchise, I see it. My my franchise is going to be in the mix to win a Super Bowl for the next five years. Right? And Dan said it in the locker room after. Super Bowls are impossible to get to. It's hard. It's going to be harder next year. We might not get back here. All true. Maybe they're never back here in this moment again. But they're going to have a roster capable of winning a Super Bowl for the next five years. This is what it is. And I'm looking at it, and I'm honestly evaluating, do I think this team, given that they finally have the roster, is Dan Campbell the coach to win with the best roster? I don't think he is. That's not his thing. That's never been his thing. It's not his thing. Like, (laughs) the games that gave this team trouble this year were the games where they were 14-point favorites like mm. that's that's not Dan's thing is is being a one seed being the team that's supposed to win the game he can't do it he struggles with that shit cuz the the whole team loses an edge because the whole team's thing is we're the plucky underdog that's going to eat your kneecap go for it go for it go for it go for it like you don't need to do that shit when you're the best team and Dan can't not do that shit that's not who Dan is so at a certain point, like he he was the perfect guy and is the perfect guy to revitalize a city, revitalize a franchise, restore belief. He did it all. It's done. It's here. And if we're actually looking forward to the next five years, do you still need the guy that rebuilt everything that's going to roll the dice every time you're a seven-point favorite? Because that's what he's going to do. He's going to do this every playoff game that Dan Campbell's here. Games are going to come down to coin flips. They're not going to come down to shit. It's going to come down to coin flips. And yes, it's going to come down to players making plays too. But in the high leverage spots, Dan is always just going to do a dice roll. Do we trust the dice roll more than we trust our own players for the next five years?
1: Oh, with the current roster, yeah, because the players stink. Defensively, they stink. Sorry.
0: I think that's fixed by next year.
1: That'd be great. That would be great.
0: All right. Sports. Want to move on? Sure. Uh, somebody on Twitter, I'm forgetting the name, and now I have way too many Lions mentions going on right now to uh, go dig it up. So I apologize for not getting your name right. Somebody on Twitter asked us to do a Northwestern Ohio State recap. I said we would do it on Monday, and uh, I believe they specifically wanted us to just shit on Ohio State, so door's open, but Cart's our resident Buckeye on this program, so he might not do very well at this. Northwestern wins 83 two fifty eight, Just a very impressive performance at home from Northwestern. Uh, arguments could be made, I think. Northwestern was the team of the week last week in college basketball. Got the overtime win in a classic against Illinois, and then smack on Ohio State team that Is now floundering a little bit. Uh, Boo Booey, once again, very good. 19 points, five assists, five rebounds, only one turnover in this game. But uh, all those guys who just seem to only hit shots when they're playing my team, hit shots again. Isn't that crazy? Ryan Langborg, four for six from three. Barnheiser, Barry, both 50%, one for two. Um, Everybody on this team hit threes. They went 10 for 19 from three crazy seems like seems like maybe that's something northwestern does
1: i mean they're special at welsh
0: crazy um ohio state is in shambles thornton and gale were both good in this game they got 33 points combined from thornton and gale both efficient from the floor nobody else on the team had more than 5 points what do you make of ohio state at this point
1: so greg you ever uh, dropped your phone in water yeah what do you do when you drop your phone in water? Like, are you just like the I'm screwed type guy? Are you like head head to the Verizon store, get a switch out? Or are you like a remedy guy? Like look up on Google, YouTube, how to fix it. I put it in rice. You put it in rice, right? Yep. What is, how how do you put a basketball program in rice? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Well, if there was a way to do that, that's what needs to be done with this basketball team. It was, it was, an embarrassing performance, I get it, Northwestern's good. I understand that. What this Ohio State team has done in this month has been an utter embarrassment, even for the Ohio State basketball, whatever, like standards, whatever those might be. I don't know if they're even that high because they're more focused on other things, but you cannot go on the road and get 30 balls after you already had an awful month after you have a backcourt of Roddy Gale and, you know, Bruce Thornton, it, you just, man, like, we we've sing the praises of Holtman all the time on here. But like I said, and I mentioned it like two or three videos ago, it might be, just be time for a fresh start for everybody. Like, I think I think Holtman needs to change the scenery. I think that the, the Ohio State basketball program just in general needs a trade. Maybe you said do the whole motto for <laughs> the motto for Holtman trade. Just go, everyone go back to their original roots and teams and go. But uh, this Ohio State team is, to use a phrase that is uttered many, and many times on Sleepers Media Podcasts, they are cooked. <laughs> like very well done. <laughs> no pink left in the middle whatsoever. Cooked.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, they're three and six in conference play, they're three wins in conference play at home against Minnesota, at home against Rutgers, at home against Penn State. That's it, those are the only teams they've in a Big Ten play. Um, uh, they've now lost 14 consecutive away games in this conference going back to last year. So basically, like anytime that Bruce Thornton puts on a uniform in whatever road locker room he's in. He's just like, yep, we're losing tonight. Like, I think that's, that's just – and I don't mean to single out Bruce because that's everybody on this team. But, like, at a certain point, you become comfortable with mediocrity and you become comfortable with losing. Like, that's that's a real psychological thing that happens in sports. When your team just does the same bad result every time you do something – there's no belief
1: anymore. There's no confidence. They're just like, hey, that's just us. It's road games in the Big Ten, right, fellas? Like, that's yeah. just us.
0: And that's that's this to me. Like, I just – and I don't mean to oversimplify, but, like, they're going at Iowa next week. I think they're going to get absolutely destroyed in that game. Then they go at Wisconsin. They're going to get destroyed. At Minnesota, I think they lose. At Michigan State, destroyed. At the rack to end the year. Like, this, that's five games right there. I don't believe they even have a chance to win the game in. So – I, this this roster is too talented for that. Um, but I don't think talent matters anymore with this team. Like, at, at least last year, last year we could watch that team and believe there was, like, some things to point to that could be fixed. I was really loud about it. Like, I thought Sensabaugh in general just played a brand of disaster ball. Like, he, he his effort defensively is the worst I've seen, and I watched Jed Howard for a whole year. Sensabaugh was worse. Um, he was just like he clogged the offense too. Like he was a ball dominant guy who needed the ball to go take his mid range jumpers, and I don't think he, it got anybody else excited either. I, I don't think it was a coincidence Sensabaugh got out for the Big Ten tournament, and like Thornton and Gale looked around like, wait a second, we're the show now. Let's go playing well. Mm-hmm. The problem is like this year's team has some of the same issues the last year's did. Without Sensabaugh, defensively they're bad. They're falling. They're about to fall out of the top hundred on Ken Palm. Um, offensively, they've been good, but, like, not good enough. Like, you got to be elite offensively if you're going to be as lackadaisical defensively as Ohio State is. And they haven't been near elite. Like, Mahefi and Akpara are not good offensive players. Zed Key's barely playing. Um, I think that's the right move because Akpara and Mahefi are better defensively, but it's just it, it's incomplete, it feels like. There's not enough complete basketball players on the team. There's guys who play one end of the floor and not the other. And Tyson Chapman doesn't even play. Scotty Middleton has been pretty horrendous. Like, we also thought they were getting a boost from the freshman that just hasn't been a thing.
1: Yeah, and, I, I mean, it's it's not as similar to Michigan State um, in terms of, like, preseason expectations, but it is kind of similar in terms of, like, you thought you were going to get something from the freshman with the returning pieces you had coming back, like with the Akpars, with the Gales, with the Thorntons. And add in guys like Middleton, Royal, Chapman. Like that was, that was the, the plan. And that's all gone to all gone to shit basically. So, and that's the one thing about it is the one thing you bring up that I think needs to be emphasized on this is that outside looking in, of course, some teams just have the mental makeup to stop a slide, stop a skid, put, you know, put the aforementioned foot down and be like, all right, like let's go get a win on the road. Like, let's do, like, let's find a way to get a win on the road. I don't know if one player has that on this team as, as the stats show, I don't yeah. know if Holtman as a coach has that in his bag right now with, with how Ohio state looks. Yeah, I don't
0: think so. Um And I, I don't know. I think at this point you have to put some of the blame on Holtman for just not for like at the end of the day, like you, you can say the players are incomplete, but, like, he's in charge of bringing the players in. So, yeah. like, he he needed to fix this defense. He didn't do it. Northwestern, NCAA tournament team for sure at this point,
1: right? Yep, 100%. They, and honestly, we wouldn't even be having a second thought if they didn't lose at home to Chicago State, which just trashes everything metrically.
0: Can I just say that they were 22-12 and 12 last year, and we all were like, wow, what a great – you Know overachievement from a, a team that was picked really low in the Big Ten and lost Pete Nance. Like, wow, 22 and 12. What a season! They're going to be better than that this year. Like, they're they're 15 and five right now. That's crazy. And that they should be 16 and four. That Chicago State loss was still horrendous. But, like, mm-hmm. o- outside of that debacle, this team's been one of the best teams in the country
1: over the course of the season. Like,
0: and, and the metrics, I don't know, I don't bad,
1: but, what was their non con like? They play anybody I think they beat Dayton, right? Is that yeah, they beat, they lost they beat, Dayton?
0: They beat Dayton at home. They played Mississippi State on a neutral and lost by single digits. Um it had it blew out Arizona State. Like nothing State nothing State. spectacular, but like yeah. for for the way Northwestern's scheduling, where they're not in like a primetime tournament preseason, like it wasn't a no nobody schedule. So right. yeah. I don't know, man. I just I I think this team's legit, and the metrics still don't love them. They're forty seventh on Ken Palm. Um, yeah, that's I, a lot
1: where they were at.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I just think this team's like a top thirty ish team in the country, and when you get to March, all bets are off. When you have Boo, like he he gonna be the best player on the floor in their first two games, unless they play like a one seed.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think they are gonna be, or I think Booey is gonna be, but it's just whether that supporting cast can find the magic that. Is them at home like yeah. if that can travel, like this team could beat anybody.
0: Northwestern goes to Mackey Wednesday. We'll have a preview for it, but uh, early, early look impression at Northwestern still being the Thorn and Zach ED side.
1: I don't know if Purdue fans will be able to handle Boo going into Mackey and getting a win. Yeah, that would hurt everyone involved. With, <laughs> with that said, I don't care, I'm picking Northwestern. Ah not to win to cover
0: understood okay all right uh to our to our rivalry cart this is hard why why is the universe making me do this after we just had to talk about the lions like this is too much for me this isn't how sports are supposed to feel
1: May i have a moment <clears throat> fine from our good friend Kyle Austin not sure what publication he writes for but i know he writes about michigan state Remember when Michigan State were in the top ten and playing for Big Ten titles? Question mark. Now it's twelve and eight Michigan State versus seven and thirteen Michigan, nine PM on a Tuesday, streaming only, with the worst combined winning percentage entering the rivalry game in four decades. We did this. We
0: did. We did this, like we we sat here on this program and said it's on us to carry the Big Ten Conference, and we've done this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Are are you, are you excited for this game at oh, all? Oh no, God no. Okay, me either.
0: <laughs> so okay, let me press you on that a little bit because I think if I was in your shoes, I would be excited for it. Why? Because you're going to win by twenty, at least. Oh. Yes, yeah, yes. Why are we acting like you're not?
1: (laughs) Why are we acting like anything with this Michigan State team is a given at any point or time they step on the floor? Because you're at home. So? Against a
0: team without their point guard. like. And? You beat Minnesota by 10. You beat Rutgers by 18. You beat Penn State by 31. That's the the type of game you're entering. Those teams are better than Michigan.
1: Close in the second half.
0: Those teams are better than Michigan, man. They're better. Is Tyson Walker playing?
1: Maybe. Does Tyson Walker do his homework? If, if Tyson Walker plays like we played at Wisconsin, we might lose. No. If if you guys
0: play like you played at Wisconsin, you win this game by 15 points. Like you you're gonna have to put a generational stinker up for this to be competitive.
1: Michigan's gonna cover.
0: Why? I know you're doom and gloom right now, but like, there, there's nothing on paper that says Michigan can make this close, truly. Nothing. Not a thing. Like, who Not Olivier Com was going to come in and dominate? That's going to happen? Yeah, he can. <laughs> I don't think he can, man.
1: So can Cheddar. So what? Cheddar's going to hit three or four threes in this game. I already so, know it.
0: So what? Michigan State's going to win by four. We're both going to feel like shit that's
1: all this is probably probably like a a wop elbow floater to put us up like six with a minute left. It's kind of those kind of vibes I'm feeling. All right. I'm going to try
0: and salvage this into an entertaining listen of a preview, I guess. Um, AJ Hogard is a lead when, well, I don't know. He, I give him credit. He led on the road at Wisconsin, too. But to, historically for me, A.J. Hogarth has been like a pick on somebody your own size type guy. Like if mm. A.J. Hogarth's playing an ex-teammate and he just won by 20 because they're Butler, then he's tough guy. Uh, this this would point to me that this could be an A.J. Hogarth tough guy game when he's beating up on Jalen Llewellyn who can barely run up and down the court. Mm.
1: Yeah, I guess I could see that. I mean – like you said, matchup wise I think when we look at Michigan these past couple of games it's always like okay Olivier Khan was really good what can he do against the other team right like we did the thing with Purdue like what would he do at Mackey yeah he, he got in foul trouble didn't have a good game obviously Michigan loses by 40 30 whatever they lost by um there is one thing that I got to take a step back on that I will apologize for right now. When talking about rivalry basketball games, things like records and stuff like that actually do not matter as much, just because they are rivalry games. Izzo going for his seven hundredth win, yip, yippee! Um, there is some incentive on this game for the Michigan for the Michigan State side as well. Um, when you talk about who, who, how would a loss hurt each team, a loss for Michigan State would hurt astronomically more than it would for Michigan. Yeah. Does that put more pressure on Michigan state? Like them being at home, this being a rivalry, does this maybe fire Michigan up? And they're like, let's 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 mess up the other team from the other side of the state. I don't know. Maybe those are the storylines. I don't know. Am I going to make it to Tuesday? I don't really even know guys. (laughs) I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it to Tuesday. So if I don't, I'll put my Peacock login information in the discord so that you guys can indulge on it. Cause I might not be here.
0: I scheduled my lobotomy for Wednesday morning. So uh, this is, this could be my final memory. And then we move on from there. Uh, no, you said like, Ooh, could the Michigan players come in and spoil? Will they be motivated by that? Let's go through some of those players. Uh, <laughs> Olivier Kamwa. You think he cares about beating Michigan state? Is that a guy who cares? No, he doesn't. Olivier Kamwa has no idea what's in store for him at, at the Breslin. Like, he's never been there. He's he's going to be visibly terrified. Namari Burnett, you think he's excited for this one? Think he cares? Stick it to good old Tom Izzo? No, no, none of these guys care at all. Hey, what about T-Will? What's T-Will going to do? Hey, T-Will hey,
1: Will. Legacy game. What is T-Will going to do? Go at Jay Nakins and win at this state probably
0: yikes uh i just can't i'd like this this is the worst michigan team in my life and i think this is also the michigan team that on paper would care about this rivalry the least
1: in my life like three through five you're better than us who who's three through five Terrence Williams right now is better than Jaden Akins. Olivia and Con was better than Malik Hall. And... Olivier
0: Kam was my two. Huh? Olivia Kam was my second best player.
1: No, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh oh, positions. Position. Position. Yeah. Three four, three through five position positionally.
0: Williams over Akins, com over Hall, Reed over Motty. Wow. You're right. Huh. So, I mean, the important positions for you are just the one and two, though, and right. And I mean, then if we go like,
1: like like Trey Holliman better than George Washington, um, maybe that's it though. That's it. This stinks, man. This really, really stinks. <laughs> Did I just? I come on.
0: Uh, <laughs> okay, give me. So this is Izzo's seven hundredth. With that said, like I do think it will be a cool moment for him. Like, it's it. I,
1: hey, I hey 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 hey, Breslin Center. Who got 700 without the portal? I just suck at social media. All right, all
0: right. Can I say this? I uh, as as a fan of Big Ten basketball who respects greatness, it will legitimately be a cool moment watching
1: his Osceola B- Braid 700 after beating his rival. It will. Especially yeah. like after, and you like combine that with the, uh, you know, like it was great a couple weeks ago. Stephen getting the Ann one. Right. Getting, yeah, I'm, right. I'm being serious. That's a
0: great family moment. You are down so bad you can't even like accept it. You're you're literally about to beat me by thirty, and you're not even excited for it. You're just making jokes at your own program's expense. This is crazy. I, I, I was being completely serious right there. No, I just I like, I like guys who care. And we talk about with Coleman Hawkins. Like he clearly cares about college basketball more than most and gets in the mud and kind of, whether you agree or disagree with all he does, he's he cares. Tom Izzo cares. I know this moment is going to matter to him. I know it means more to him that he has a chance to do this at home against his rival than it does. If he would have gotten 700 on the road against Wisconsin. Um, I, I think we might see, well, no, we won't see tear shed because Izzo's not like a celebrate regular season moments guy, but I think uh, behind the scenes, I think he'll probably be very happy, very emotional, and he should be because that's really, really impressive stuff. Um, Give me three things you hope happen in this game. Like, if you can just be the puppet master behind the scenes, phone him in,
1: you hope three things happen. What are three things you hope happen? I want Tyson Walker to have 25-plus points. I want A.J. Hogarth to get a technical and I also want, I want ten plus Xavier Booker minutes. Mm, that'd be fun. Never forget the the rivalry game
0: a couple of years ago we were at that uh was Keon Coleman and Malik Car's awakening. Big time, big time minutes from them. <laughs> that was
1: wild. Um, <laughs> this is this is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but can I give my three things? Yeah. Uh I want this game to be I I want Michigan leading at the end of the first half. Just, <laughs> just just to put a little scare in everybody. Uh I want Well, I can't say I want, but you know where that's going. If they lead at the end of the first half, you know what's going to happen. I want uh someone on Michigan someone to just have, like, an individual punking of a Michigan State player of their choosing. Like, it, it it won't be Tyson, but, like, I want, like, a Kamwa poster on Malik Hall. Or I want, like, Jalen Llewellyn somehow, like, between the legs, crosses, AJ drops him and hits a three. Just give me one moment where it's like, oh, my miserable players really just punked you on your home. Just give me one moment like that. And then my third wish is that I hope Jawan Howard has an incident.
1: A violent uh, just an incident?
0: Just in, I mean, you can define violent however you want. I hope that Jawan Howard makes a fool of himself on a scale that anyone who is streaming this game will come away saying that guy needs to be fired.
1: I hope we storm the
0: court. I also think there's a legitimate chance Jawan could have an incident in this game. That'd be great. I mean, he ran on the court at the Brez a couple years ago. Like, if this – say this one gets out of hand. Like, say you guys are actually up, like, 40 with seven minutes left. I think we could see Juwan act out. I might add that to my list. And then we're we're one Juwan act out away from, like, it's time. It, it has to it, end. And this this would be a great time for it.
1: Okay, prediction. Give me a formal prediction. What's the final score? Uh, I'm going to go Michigan State. Michigan State, 80. Um, Michigan, 70. Okay.
0: You think it's like a blowout all game, Michigan claws back late, or just kind of a comfortable 10-point
1: coast? I think the classic, like, eight minutes, the game's still within six, and then we push it to 10 late. Okay.
0: Um, I... Have Michigan State 98, Michigan 54. So that's a 44-point victory for the Spartans. Um, I think this is going to get ugly, 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 ugly. I think Hogarth's going to dance on everyone and talk his shit and have his moments. I think Tyson Walker's going to make everything he takes. Uh, I think... Michigan's apathetic defense is gonna just open the door for like like Mahdi might get 12 offensive rebounds in this game um I don't think there's anything they can do I think Michigan State wants it more I think they're a much better more sound team I think Izzo would love an opportunity to pour this on and will and uh yeah it's going to get ugly ugly and you'll hopefully your spirits will be a lot happier I'm willing to sacrifice my spirits at this point for your spirits. I don't even have a spirit at this point. You might if they win if they win this game by forty-four points, you wouldn't have a little bit of a spirit? No. Yes, you would, dog. Said I checked out. I am not okay with that. Um by the way, last thing on this, we always say these rivalry games are always legacy games. Like that's that's what they are. It's always a legacy opportunity. Who's the legacy game for this game? uh Tyson Walker just like a spectacular Tyson game put the yeah. put a bookmark on it okay yeah. um can coaches have legacy games yes this is the Jawan Howard legacy game wow in a good way or a bad way bad way bad way oh, like this okay. is like I Michigan State's gonna win by 44 without anyone even playing particularly well that's what it's gonna be and everyone's gonna look around like, "How the fuck did this happen?" Oh yeah, the guy making a fool of himself on the sideline that built this roster is the guy. Mm. So, yeah, okay. one big thing presented
1: by Big B. What do you got? Hmm. Well, so many, so many places I could, uh, I could possibly go with this. Um, my one big thing for today is, what's your week like this week, Gregory? Uh, just a normal, normal busy week for me. A normal busy week. Can I cash in on my Braden Smith facial hair bet? Ooh. When do you want that to begin? It can begin starting tomorrow.
0: So you can, um, I think I have After Dark once this week. And if it was at the beginning of the week, potentially, I'd love to like do that and then do it for a week. Mm Mm-hmm. But that might defeat the spirit of the bat. We don't have a spirit
1: anymore. You can do it after, after dark.
0: <laughs> I will uh, I will initiate the Braden Smith bet. Maybe on the Purdue. Purdue plays Wednesday. So maybe maybe
1: after the Purdue game. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm game. I can do that. Yeah. If Boo Boo goes into Mackey and wins, you don't have to do it. Love that. You also should have let this go longer because it would be funnier if it was longer, but respect. Uh, I know, that can bring me any joy at this point, man.
0: Oh, speaking of sleepers bets, you have to caddy for Dion. I do. Yeah. Tough.
1: Wait, didn't I say cover, though? I or don't remember. I,
0: I tuned out when you guys said the caddy thing because I realized it would never happen. Yeah. Dion did text me. The only text I had in my inbox from him this morning was, uh, "Hell card! I hit my seven iron, one fifty yards." So, yeah, I'll start. I'll start studying up. <laughs> uh, my one big thing presented by Big B is that I, uh, I don't know how any player, any human being, plays in a game with that much pressure. Because I was sitting on my couch and I couldn't like hold the remote correctly. Like, I, I spilled my drink four times. I Like, I don't know how anyone is capable of, like, doing a job in the game setting of that. So, Facts. That's my one big thing. All right. I still, don't, I still don't feel right. Yeah, I know. I've never seen you this sad. Really? I feel like I've been pretty sad on here before. No, I've never seen that. Because sometimes when you get sad, a lot of times part of your sadness is a slight exaggeration or an act Mm -hmm. like there you, which I think, you know, and you own that you're probably like 60% sad, like 40% act Mm -hmm. this. I can tell there's no act. Like this is just 100% pure devastation. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. 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 Yep. (laughs) Yep. We'll be back tomorrow. you
0: (laughs) You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks,